Welcome you are back listening. to Reason Together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I blame it on the lag because I think there's yeah. a lag and it didn't look like bit. you were starting. I heard That's a lot funny. of silence, so I figured I'd go. <laughs> go ahead. All yours. You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. And we want to welcome you aboard here to our conversation. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Balsamo. Uh, hi, Tom. Hey, good morning. If you're new to our podcast, uh, this is a conversation, um, and, and you're joining into a habit that Tom and I have had now for years of enjoying substantive conversations and reasoning through issues together. And, uh, and so we enjoy listener feedback, and, um, and we especially want to thank our patrons as we begin, uh, our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together for supporting us uh, on an episode by episode basis. Thank you so much for the investment that you make. Yes, we appreciate you. Uh, anyway, it's good to have you along for this episode number 135. Uh, we've got a lot of interesting things here, uh, yeah. potentially. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, no, I suppose that's subjective, <laughs> but uh, got some interesting questions uh, here. Do uh, we want to jump right into it or do we? Well, uh, first, I want to say, as I sit here this this morning, um, I I have a couple beverage vessels in front of me. I'm actually drinking two things, uh, a smoothie and, and coffee. Um, mm. But in one of my beverage vessels is a nice uh, orange tumbler that's a Reason Together podcast tumbler. Very mm -hmm. well done, and uh, I want to thank Derek for doing those for us. And um, yes, anyway, yep, yeah. looking yes. good. I De appreciate that. And Derek, you can you can leave this in. You don't have to edit this out. We are That's thanking right. Derek publicly. <laughs> um, Derek is our editor, and he does an amazing job of editing. But he also has these promotional materials that he makes yes. with this laser engraver. Fantastic and, job! Uh, he did a great job making these mugs. Um, these will be available, uh, hopefully soon <laughs> on, uh, reasontogether.fm. Uh, but for now you'll just have to, you know, envision in your mind what it'd be like. I did post a little bit of a teaser, um, when he was making these on the Reason mm. Together Facebook page. Uh, he sent a little video yes. clip of the laser engraving yes. it there. <laughs> nice. So, but hopefully those will be on the store soon. Uh, and you can pick up a mug, a tumbler. For yourself. Tumblr, yeah. Now, before we jump into questions, I've I've got a coffee question for you, um, oh. because I'm kind I'm kind of new to this here a little what bit. What podcast so my other... is this? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I uh, I it's, it's not take the coffee. Now that was the last episode, I believe, or a couple episodes ago, uh -huh. and enjoyed that uh, that conversation. So I've got my smoothie in my recent together podcast Tumblr here, but I got hmm. my coffee in my other Tumblr. And I'm wondering, um, when people, when a coffee drinker says, I put creamer in my coffee, is it like automatically assumed that it's a sweetened creamer? Does that I mean, does everybody go pretty much go that way that, oh yeah, I get my, you know, my mint sweetened creamer mix thing, you know, <laughs> put it in my coffee or is there anybody, or, or is there a <laughs> substantive number of people that go, no, I actually just put cream. <laughs> well, therein I think lies the distinction. If you just say you put cream in your coffee, that's that's pretty clear. It's just a, an unsweetened dairy product <laughs> that you're putting in okay, your coffee. It's creamer, creamer, I think, is like uh, more indicative of the the sweetened kind. Okay. Um, 
around here though where where we live there's lots of uh, navy people around mm-hmm. um and i i guess it's a thing that it's kind of an unwritten rule of the navy guys that you drink coffee black and and that's oh. it um <laughs> which i can understand i like black coffee if yeah. it's a good cup of coffee but uh yeah a lot, a lot of guys <laughs> they'll give you the side eye <laughs> if you tell them you put cream in your coffee <laughs> okay oh good to know so all right, well, because I, I started off when I was you know starting this uh, this adventure, I, I was putting a little I I, I got this uh, like discounted you know half gallon of coconut milk, so I was like oh okay I'll use the coconut milk and I did that some and then I um, then I think my wife bought me some some almond milk creamer or something and I don't know that it was sweetened and I I used that and and then she bought she came home with this new creamer and it's like a caramel you know creamer and it has cane sugar in it and so. Then I started to go, okay, um, in, in thinking of the sweetness thing, because I before I'd just been adding my own non-sugar sweetener, you know, to it in addition to a creamer. <laughs> and now I don't have to do that quite so much, I guess. Hmm. So anyway, all right. I, thanks. I don't think I could do nut milk of any kind <laughs> in my coffee. I've tried that a couple of <laughs> times. It just ruins it. <laughs> you know, and, and trying to milk an almond. I mean, that is a rough step to get almond milk cream. <laughs> Don't even know how that works. Um. No. Nope. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So, to something relatively serious here, um, where, where do we want to jump in? Hmm. Let's see. Okay. Um, this is – okay. Th- this – I don't know what kind of discussion this will turn into, but I recently <laughs> heard a term yeah, – Okay, so let let me give this some context first. That's helpful. As as much as as much as pastors know that the amount of people in your church building is not really the measure of success, there is something that is intrinsically more uplifting and exciting when everyone is there. Yeah. And right. I heard this term recently for churches where people have trouble with faithfulness in attendance. <laughs> Uh-huh. And he referred yeah. to this as rapture practice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. For who is like, is this rapture practice for the pastor? Then why is it that he's practicing when everyone's gone and he's not? <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess it, it must mean that rapture practice is we're all going to be caught up together. So look, we're all together. <laughs> look, you know, this is what it's like to be all together. Um, of oh, course, you, ha- you get think, what I'm saying? I, I think so. You're doing like the inverse of what he was saying. So you're saying when everyone's together, yes. that's rapture practice. Right, right. Okay, yeah. so he oh, was using so, uh, it in the context of when oh. people are away, <laughs> are when they've away. disappeared. <laughs> Maybe they're, they're trying to practice for when they're gone. <laughs> I don't I know. Okay. But I thought it was a humorous take on unfaithfulness to church, that, that's though funny. not a humorous subject. <laughs> right, right. But when I saw that, of course, you have a don't peak label on there. So all I could see was the the label says rapture practice. You know, it reminds me of like, you know, a public school <laughs> drill, you know, like we're under the desk. Right, and the sirens going off, or you're like you're walking out the building, you know. Uh, or I'm just I'm picturing I'm picturing some guy standing out in a field with his fist pointed towards the sky, just jumping as high as he can. <laughs> <laughs> it's rapture practice. Yeah, that's what I feel like. No, uh, 
So mm. <laughs> like maybe we should have rapture drills. All right. In the middle of this rapture sermon, drills. we're going to have a rapture drill. Um, <laughs> rapture practice. <laughs> yeah. Don't be alarmed. This is, this is only a test. Everybody yeah. leave. Go home. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, in addition to that, what I, what I have on the list here, this is a thought that came across in my, some of my readings this week. And um, here's, I'll read you this quote first and mm -hmm. get your thoughts on it. <clears throat> it says, Protestants are often rankled by the idea of a human priest saying, I forgive you. Uh, he's talking about the confessional booth of the, the Catholic uh, mm -hmm. persuasion. Uh, he says, in Rome's defense, we must point out that by no means does the church intend to declare that a priest has the intrinsic right to forgive sins. In Rome's view, the priest is simply exercising the authority Jesus gave to his apostles when he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. John 20, 23. This is not far removed from what Protestant ministers do when they declare the assurance of pardon or assurance of salvation from the pulpit on Sunday morning. Do you get what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think. Thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's not a great parallel um, because. So, uh, that it's not the, a great the, parallel or. No, I mean, I see the parallel he's trying to make saying when you stand up and say, look, you know, your sins are forgiven. You can trust God here that that's the same thing as the priest going, you're forgiven. But no, uh, to the Catholic person, they need the priest to say it um, because um, whether he perceives himself as the arbiter of that or not, um, he, it's like he is kind of, yeah, I, to me, it's, it's more that the pastor behind the pulpit is saying, look, you can look to scripture and recognize by what God has revealed that you, you are, you can trust him here. You can take him at his word. Mm -hmm. But for the priest, he he's like a necessary part of the equation. You know, I, ha I have to go to that booth. Right. I have to tell him, and then I have to maybe be given some sort of penance to do. And and then, you know, it, they can make the, the claim, but I wonder how many Catholics truly yeah. feel that the, ca the, the priest needs to absolve them. Not to mention, they have no connection between the, uh, the apostle and the New Testament apostle and the priest, you know, to, to connect that authority in any way, um, I think. But yeah. okay. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. And I guess it is a question of authority, really, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is is who is viewed as having the authority to forgive sins when, when, the, when the Baptist preacher stands up. And I realize that, okay, technically Baptists are not Protestants. Right. I get that. Right. That's true. Okay. Um, that, that is one maybe, uh, you know, side note from this quote <laughs> is that he's referring to yes. Protestants. Um, we are not Protestants. <laughs> um, but uh, it's really a question of who has the authority. So if the Baptist preacher stands up and says, you know, if you've repented of your sins and confessed faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and put your trust in him for that salvation, uh, you are forgiven. Your sins are remitted. Uh, you know, John 20, 23, the, the verse that he referenced there, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Um, you know, essentially saying the authority is on what scripture says, that if you yes. have done mm -hmm. what scripture says in the matter of salvation, then the authority can be spoken about by me or anyone else sure. really who is referencing the authority of scripture. Um, but I don't know that that 
in other words, I think with the Catholic priest, that's an oversight that they don't mention. Uh, if if they do at all think that the authority rests with God and with Scripture, not with them, they're not mentioning it enough to where people understand. No, that's that. a, that's very true. What you're saying, um, and, and it makes you it makes you think just on a practical level. <clears throat> who just like you said go back goes back to the authority. Do we have the authority to forgive anybody? Only those people that offend us. I mean, it, to say I forgive you for that offense to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the right to, you know, say you robbed a bank. Well, I, I forgive you. Right. Well, that means absolutely nothing because right. I wasn't the one offended. So ultimately, no. the one who can forgive sins is God. Right. And so the priest, unless you like, you know, slashed the priest's tires, you don't need to confess to the priest. Right. And he doesn't have the right to tell you you're forgiven. And he can only tell you you're forgiven for anything else based on the word of God, which, you know, uh, they're not you know, yeah. closely. Yeah, that. he's not he's not the distributor of Good. forgiveness. Yes, right. <laughs> he he's not the channel through which God's forgiveness comes. Um <clears throat> and and by the way, no one really it is. Yes, right. <laughs> but the Lord Jesus right. Christ. There's one mediator between God and men. Um so yeah, I thought it was an interesting thought that he tried to compare that to when we tell people that they can have assurance in their salvation, that they can have a certainty of their salvation. Um where it's not really the same thing. Um, the, the, the thing with John 20, 23, um, if I could read that again, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. In, in your estimation, is that, is that something purely apostolic that no longer persists today? Or is that just saying what we've been saying, that you know, based on the authority of Scripture that Christ uh, has has conveyed through Scripture to to those who preach and teach and speak about Scripture today, do we have that same commission to, in a sense, say to someone, you know, your sins are are remitted or your sins are retained? Is, or yeah, is that I would lean towards the second meaning, uh, basically based on the teachings of Christ. Um, you know, as he passed those things to his apostles and the great commission is not only to make disciples, but then to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh, so that they're giving the, the, given these teachings of Christ. And as someone then violates that, of course, you have the authority as Paul did um, when he was in Rome and the Jews are leaving and, you know, they're probably disputing, I don't know if we, you know, buy all this. He's saying, uh, okay, just know that um, it's going to the Gentiles now. You know, you've rejected it and it's going to the Gentile. However, you know, he worded that uh, in the latter part of Acts. He has the authority to say, mm-hmm. um, if you reject, uh, you know, I mean, it's basically just to say, if you reject, this is going to happen. Or, um, you know, but if you accept, this is going to happen. If you if you recognize the Messiah and you place right. your confidence in him, this is. So you do have an authority basically to what we were talking about to proclaim what the scripture proclaims. Now, even if somebody said, Oh, that was just apostolic. That's fine in a sense by me too. I'd want to look into it a little bit more, but one or mm-hmm. the other, neither one gives room for the the place of a priest, um, a, a Catholic priest, right. because that's sort of, I, I don't even what that is to the two, but I mean, it it's either, if, if it's apostolic, it's not priestly. If it's Christian, it's not priestly, you know, but the priest has somehow tried to set himself right. apart as a New Testament version of an Old Testament priest. Um, well, a mediator. Yes, exactly. A mediator. That, that is what a priest yes, right. was. 
a priest represented God to man, but then also represented man to God because there was this rift in the relationship mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. God and man because of man's sin. So the priest was meant to be a mediator and we're very, yeah, we're very New Testament on this, that yes. we believe there is only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, um, which is why we deny the priestly mm -hmm. role as being legitimate today. <clears throat> and, and a pastoral role is not in any way a mediatorial role. Not more than any other. Would, would you say? Uh, well, I mean, not more than any other believer who intercedes for other believers in prayer. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can all do that for each other. Right. As a... Yeah, right. As a position, the pastor doesn't exercise some p special power of mediation to God for them. Right. Yeah. And, and the role of intercession is different than the role of mediation. Mm. Intercession carries no authority. I can yeah, only I request. See. I see. Hmm. <laughs> right. Whereas a mediator, in a sense, is an arbiter that carries some authority on behalf of both parties. Um, Neat thought. The, the other verse... The other verse that was coming to mind with this is uh, Matthew 18, 18. Mm -hmm. um, it says there, um, verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I have read this as a cross-reference to John 20, 23 that we just mm -hmm. read a moment ago about the declaration of someone's sins being remitted or not being remitted or being retained. Um do you have any thoughts on on that verse or the parallels between them? I would, in honesty, I would have to say I would need to look into that before I really uh, gave a thought that I was more confident in. <laughs> okay. I, could give an, I could give an opinion, but that's worth, you know, my opinion plus, you know, 65 cents might be worth a coffee, small coffee somewhere. <laughs> right. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm ultimately wanting to get to is I understand that we have, in a sense, the justification to say to someone that their sins have been remitted right. based on the authority of scripture, mm -hmm. if they have obeyed the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. But whosoever sins you retain, they are retained right. is what John 20, 23 yeah. says. Does that then give equal justification to say to someone, mm, I, I believe you're still lost? Well, um, yeah, yes. I mean, if that's the way that we're taking it, because... Um, and to me, that's not um, strange because if they go, no, I don't really believe Jesus is God, but I, I am a saved man. I'd say, well, no, you're not. Um, because, you know, scripture <laughs> nope. says if, you know, except you don't believe the Christ or whatever, um, um, you know, it is very clear. Now, it doesn't mean that we go around judging everyone's salvation. You don't seem to stack up right. like I think you should. Therefore, you're not saved. Well, I, I'm not saying that, but... If, if it's clear that someone says, I don't believe that, but I'm saved. Well, no, on, on the authority of the word, you're not, because there are certain things that you have to believe, right. the, you know, <laughs> there's certain components of the gospel. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. In John's epistles, um, particularly the first one, he deals with essentially three um, tests uh, for salvation, if I can say it that mm -hmm. way. And, and the first one is basically what you mentioned is, you know, if a man, you know, doesn't believe Jesus is the mm -hmm. son of God, right? right? <laughs> then I don't remember exactly how it said there, but it indicates that the individual doesn't understand the truth. They don't understand the gospel and thus they're lost. <clears throat> so there is, there is a, um, there is a, a gate as it will of truth that if someone does not verbally assent to truth, then they clearly are not 
a born again person, if they don't assent to the truth of right. the gospel. And that's, that's a hard gate. That's a hard stop. Basically you can, you can immediately arbitrate that and say, okay, sorry, you don't understand the gospel. You need to be born again. Right. Right. Um, but interestingly, so John gives a couple other tests in that mm -hmm. epistle and, and the one involves the love of the mm -hmm. brethren. Mm -hmm. Right. And the other involves obedience to scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he essentially, you know, I'm boiling it down here to, to simplify it. If someone's pattern of life is unrighteousness, if it's their habit of life to do so, he's not of the father, um, according to John's epistles. And um, if someone is there, it's their habit of life to reject the brethren, to not love the brethren, in fact, to even at times hate the brethren, um, then, then he is not of the father. He's mm -hmm. of the world, right? Um, so... In addition to the first test, you know, the truth test, these other tests, the love test and the obedience test, in a sense, do give us some sort of evidence-based protocol here. Mm -hmm. And if if they're not meant for us to in some way use, why are those protocols there? That's a good thought. Now, at the very least, they could be used personally. And what I mean by that is to say, you know, instead of me making the decision saying, hey, bub. You're not saved uh, because you don't love the brethren. I could, we could point at least to John and say, now John says, if you don't love the brethren, you're not of the Father, and let let that sink in, and for him to define it himself. Sure. But I think that the struggle comes in where over time, or in our own assumptions in our own mind, we define words, so we're, or we redefine mm -hmm. words. So we say, love the brethren. Well, that, to me, loving the brethren would look like, or that means right. this, you know, or um, what was the other right. one? Loving the brethren, or you said obedience. So if, if they were obedient, they would do this, and, and which translates into they would have grown this much in this way by this time in a way that I right. can see. Well, that begins, begins to be sure. <laughs> Yeah, and it essentially turns into if someone is not just like me, then they're lost. <laughs> they don't measure up to my standard. Right? Um, yeah, I'm not saying people don't have the potential to misuse John's epistles in that way. They certainly do. But the context of John's epistles is not for evaluating one's own salvation in that sense, though that's implicit in some of the verses in mm -hmm, the text. Sure. It's primarily that he's telling them about false teachers that uh, exist. Yeah, and I and I... And he's giving them criteria yeah. for using these tests on other people yeah. as well and as I on themselves. And I think you make a good point. Uh, and uh, those are, that's one of those kind of foundational concepts, you know, that you just can, can read and think uh, in scripture, why was this given if it wasn't meant to be used? Um, and so right. that's good. Well, again, I've often struggled with that because I've heard some preachers that I know and respect will say, you know, you should never really judge someone's claim of salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not God. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm conflicted there because the the requirement of something in order to be a church is that it is a body of believers. Yeah. Right? So should there not be some sort of questioning or criteria or evaluation protocol that is involved in admittance to a body like that? You know what I mean? Somebody has to arbitrate that someone has to evaluate someone's claim of salvation otherwise if you just take everyone at their word that they're a christian you could end up with a mixed multitude in a hurry 
Yeah, and, and yet I think you have to stick pretty close to Scripture to say, yes. to make a case of what is love, what is obedience, how does that manifest, you know, what are the proper expectations there? Um, that that brings me to a thought that I've had recently, and just just a, not a real long thought here, but kind of an eye-opener that, that you know, people, uh, I guess it's that idea that <sighs> people can use our terminology and not be where we're at. They can actually be preaching mm-hmm. a false Jesus. And I mean, and I've heard yes. that for years, you know, for years, I guess, but I'm, and I'm thinking of a YouTube video in particular that somebody showed me, um, you know, of this, uh, this group goes into some, I don't know, it was probably some major city here in the United States and in the, they're in the park and they're setting up the sound system and they get the guitars going and, you know, and probably have a little jam right there <laughs> and then tar- start talking to them about Jesus and people, you know, they're just moved and raising their hands and they're down on the ground. And you say, wow, God is really working. And to a guy, I guess, like me, who's who's grown up in it, and and I'm, I guess in some ways I feel like I'm um, giving people a, yeah, a chance, you know, not, any, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but anyway, um, not not immediately doubting them. I guess I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't think what they're doing is right. But, you know, maybe somebody's being affected through that. But then to actually stand back and, and have this thought, which I haven't so much had, no, that actually might all be false. That might all really be a false Jesus because what did they, they, they used the word Jesus and that's what threw me off is because it's a word that I so fill with meaning, you know, mm-hmm. that obviously that means so much to me. And so when they say God and Jesus and... um and come to him, you know, and all that stuff. He say, yeah, 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 that totally resonates with me. I get the message. But to somebody who doesn't know the message, if that's not filled in with biblical thought or concept, and they're just using, okay, there's this name, come to Jesus, you know, he'll take you, blah, blah, blah. Is that really the gospel? And what did anything happen there? And so it brings me to the thought that there may be many, many, many people. And I want, you have to wonder at some point, even even in pews of churches that we would feel relatively comfortable in that don't really understand the gospel uh, or that mm-hmm. aren't truly born again. Um, yeah. And maybe that is evidenced in many lives and we've felt pressured in some way to redefine our expectations to say, mm-hmm. well, they they say they're saved. They you know they come pretty regularly here, so we must not be able to expect that level of obedience from that kind of person. Well, you know they seem they seem apathetic and pretty carnal, but you know they're here and, and they have a testimony of salvation. So um, maybe we really can't expect obedience or love of the brethren from them in that way. But I think we have to mm-hmm. go back and um, and define it biblically um, and say, well. You know, right. and at least grapple with that fact that you're saying, here, here, you know, John's saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's the test. Um, yeah. We should be looking for something. Well, and, and that is really one of the fundamental flaws with the love test and the obedience test, not with the test themselves, I should say, but with the users of the test mm-hmm. <laughs> is that our our ability to observe is finite yes. and right. flawed, yep. whereas with the truth test right? That's definitive. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's very definitive. You can you can immediately say, okay, nope, sorry, you're lost. You don't understand the gospel. Um, <clears throat> whereas the love test and the obedience test requires really godlike observation, which we don't have, in order to know fully. Good. And I think that's a good good point that you make that we don't see them 24-7. No. And we don't see what's happening in the heart. Uh, but because those things we feel have to be manifested, they have to be externalized somehow, the love and the obedience, then we try to gauge them by what we see on the outside, where the truth test is an expression. I believe this, <laughs> you know, right. uh, and we can judge that. Good. Yeah. All right. You want to pick the next one? Sure, sure, sure. Um, let's see. This one here I've had on for a while. Let's see if I can pull up this um, this article. And my and my point isn't here to pick apart the writer of the article so much. Um, it's somewhat of a you know a friend um, in a way, or I could say an acquaintance. But um, but it just so I'm really not trying to to nail the guy. But I just thought this statement. Um, that he made in this post was interesting though. And and I, and I, I think I kind of see what he's saying, but I go, well, that that came across kind of strange. (laughs) Um, So um, he starts off talking about uh, convict, uh, convict and convincing and then conviction. Um, And he says, um, so he's talking about convictions and he's kind of making uh, a certain case here, but the the point, um, the, statement that I'm I'm drawing out here. Let me find it. Um, he says, let's see, in fact, even, let me back up here. Even if you have a conviction of something of lesser importance, it is still important to obey what you believe. In fact, even if your belief is inaccurate, it is still important to follow what you believe because acting to the contrary will hurt your conscience. It is vital to live by convictions. Um, and I thought, so basically he was saying, you know, obey your convictions, even if they're wrong. I mean, you gather mm-hmm. that from what he's saying, you not, you might not believe, yes. right? Um, uh, and, and of course that leads to a conviction and you're obeying that conviction, but, you, but that's good because at least you're living by what you believe. What's your take on that? Yeah. I think this is actually something you've affirmed before. Um, so, an example of this, I think, is let's say that, you know, we, we've known of some fundamentalist circles where, you know, wearing a certain kind of, you know, <laughs> collared shirt would be, I don't know, I'm just throwing something out there, uh-huh. would be considered worldly, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. a certain kind of, you know, or certain kind of pants certain or whatever. Certain color shirt, or certain, certain kind style of, of pants, certain kind of haircut, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And you would say someone, you know, who who really believes that that is sinful to wear, would you encourage them to sin against their own conscience and go wear it anyway? And you've said before that you wouldn't, right? Because you wouldn't want them to sin against their conscience. Uh, yeah, I don't remember um, saying that, but you have a good memory and I'm, I'm glad that you do. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think <laughs> I, I would still say that. I would say, I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to uh, violate their conscience per se. Right. That's yeah. the word that you used is violate their conscience. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes in two directions here because, and, and maybe this is what's confusing you about his post is that maybe you're thinking of it in the other direction. So somebody does something that's knowingly wrong, but in their conscience, they think it's right, right? Something that is scripturally wrong. So they, they say, you know, 
I'm trying to think of some example. They're, you know, they want to go out socially drinking with their friends and get a little bit buzzed, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, to 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 numb the pain from the work week, right? And you'd say to a Christian like that, well, I mean, that's biblically wrong. And they're like, well, my conscience isn't against it. Mm. You know, you'd say, well, <laughs> well, yeah, they, they should obey their conscience there. You know, if if they or they should not obey their conscience there because their conscience is flawed. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and contrast that to the first direction where someone does something that isn't biblically wrong, but in their conscience, they feel like it might be, you would advise them not to violate their conscience. Yes. And I guess I do say, maybe I'm, maybe the tenor of his post is basically, is assuming that a conviction comes from the convincing of the Holy Spirit, um, so that if you feel like, wow, I've been convicted about this, you know, I shouldn't do this. It's not a, it's not a, well, my conscience isn't affected by it. It's a, it's a matter of my conscience is affected by it. If, if that makes sense, you yeah. know, for the guy to go, oh, drinking doesn't bother my conscience. Well, that's kind of a different, <laughs> different thing. Cause he'd be like, nothing really bothers my conscience. But, um, but for somebody to say, no, I've been convicted about this. And so I have a conviction and I, and I might say, that's where the conversation comes in. Well, that's an overeducated conscience um, that it's been educated to be sensitive about too many things too drastically um, that it's, it's really okay. If you have a mustache, you know, on, honestly, um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You can, you, you are forgiven, Tom. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but to, to say somebody say, well, I don't, I don't think I should have, I don't think I should have a mustache. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't want to like make you violate your conscience because, but, but, but on the other hand is what that, that passage, you know, some people use that passage whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so if, um, how did that, how, how have I heard that used? You know, so, okay, here's, here's how my wife heard it. I think as a growing up as a young lady, and I'm not saying from her pastor per se, but maybe uh, anyway, uh, if you doubt you're damned. Because hmm. whatsoever is not of faith is sin and um, something like that. So, hmm. so if, if you do something and you're not sure that it's the right thing to do, you're wrong. You're doing wrong or something like, well, you know, I it's just like, nah, so just that sin, sin confidently, <laughs> <laughs> sin proudly, and, uh, you know, and, but see, the problem with that is then you get into circles where then they educate you and say, you know, God help you if you ever do this and you do this and you, you wicked heathen, if you do this and you should feel ashamed of yourself if you do this and a, and a scripture, a balanced biblical approach, we would say, no, actually, you know, 80% of that's okay. Uh, you know, you're sort of making that, that's a tradition right. of, that's a commandment of men. Um, yes. And so you're, you're miseducating these consciences of, of these young people that kind of go, well, I do want to obey God and I, I do want to be right with him and I want him to lead me. Um, but now to do those things, say, to wear a, you know, a purple shirt, you know, would violate their conscience because, because um, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't do that because the preacher said that. Now, granted, they're not grown enough. They haven't studied enough. So at that point, do you say, hey, look, look, your shirt's fine. Or do you say, well, better not violate your conscience and then then hope that you have influence to teach them. I, I don't know. Or anyway, and yeah, maybe I'm, I would say both. I'm go, yeah. And I'm going <laughs> you know, maybe I, way off I would his not... post here. I'm just kind of taking it from that statement. I thought that was interesting. He's basically saying you need to obey your convictions, even if they're misinformed. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that that is kind of similar to what we talked about. I don't know if it was last episode or episode before with um, Romans 14 with Christian Liberty, right? The guy who eats the meat offered mm-hmm. to idols, really the meat's fine. It's just meat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. He, he can eat it. It's fine. But if it violates his conscience, you know, Paul would say later, you know, if it, it makes my brother to offend, if I eat meat, I'll eat no meat while the world standeth. And in other words, I'm going to not have him violate his conscience. Um, now, I don't think that means Paul would have been silent on his thoughts about meat. I think he seemed to have Good leaned point. towards the side saying yes. that, you know, the meat is okay to eat, right? Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, in the same sense, you know, so I would say to somebody, okay, yeah, your purple shirt is fine. You you could wear that. There's no sin against God in wearing that. And I know it's a silly illustration, you know, purple shirt, whatever. But uh, at the same time, if you feel like it's wrong to do, you know, don't violate your conscience because really anytime you violate the conscience, you are prepping it for violation. You are getting it used to the feeling of violation. Yeah, yeah. And um, you don't want to grieve your own conscience, which is your only gyroscope to say, you know, this is how God wants you to act. And that's a good point that you make if you get it used to violation to say, eh, disregard that mechanism in you that says that's wrong. Well, that's right. dangerous. Yeah. 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 There's, there's the truth of the seared conscience, um, which I can't remember where that's referenced off the top of my head. But I, I, um, I think about this, you know, okay. So if a, if a man feels convicted about something, um, and he lives by his convictions, even though it's misinformed, I guess I would still have to agree that he should live, he, he should live according to that conscience. And to me, if he truly is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he's pers- and, and and I'll add this, and he's pursuing the Lord. I mean, he's trying to learn more and grow. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, that's going to be ironed out. Yeah. I, I would think the Holy so, Spirit's going to lead him to a balanced view of something. So he needs sure. to stay submitted to what he feels is right as he's pursuing the Lord. If he's just sitting like a bump yeah. on a log in a pew and going, "Whatever you say, preacher. Oh, it's wrong. It's wrong. Okay, I won't do it." Well, then I don't know that he'll come to a balanced approach. Um, right? Can it, can I make this personal for a second? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and, sure. and, you, and you don't have to answer it, but um, was there a time in your past where where you would have thought that drinking caffeinated coffee was wrong for you? Um, to think that it was wrong for me. Um, close, yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, uh, and, I, and I'm still not totally sold on the coffee thing, but maybe I'm not <clears throat> as judgmental about it. Um, because I did hold some, uh, there was a biblical thought and a practical thought as far as my my physical health mm-hmm. um, that I haven't wrapped my mind around yet. Like, is this really okay? <laughs> but um, right. I don't know that I would have said it was wrong. If I'd have been full on wrong on it, I might have said uh, it's not wise. You know, I would have felt like it okay. was, if it, it, I would feel like it's wrong. Uh, and I know you, it seemed like you joked about it in one episode and I thought, actually, no, that's, that's that was exactly my thought <laughs> when you said, I will not yeah, be it brought the, under the power of any. Yes. It was yes. the episode we did with the take the coffee guys Yeah, yeah. where I kind of somewhat jokingly quoted that verse in first Corinthians nine. I think it is that I will not be brought under the power of any, or, or no, it was something bringing my body under subjection or something like that. Uh, yeah. I forget. And, uh, and and I was just kind of half joking about it that someone would use that as a reason to not drink caffeinated coffee, and and you started nodding your head like that's basically what I thought. Yeah, right. And, and 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 it and from what we're describing, it would have been not good for me if you had that feeling back then 
to try and make you drink coffee, <laughs> caffeinated coffee, <laughs> right? Right, or or to like somehow you know snarl at you for oh, there's a guy who won't drink, you know, <laughs> self righteous, you know, you know, it wouldn't have been right for me to think of you that way, um, <laughs> you know, because you wouldn't drink coffee, but but you just described a moment ago that over time someone might come to a more balanced view of it, and that's essentially what you're describing with your transition here with your thoughts about coffee is that you're, you're coming to a different perspective now. And, and that's what came to mind as you were describing that. Cause I'm thinking well, that's, that's basically, that's basically your own testimony there hmm. with, mm-hmm. with coffee uh, of, of, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Of, of, uh, changing in thought, you know? Yeah. But it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I, I feel bad, I guess, for people who are in a situation where, you know, and too many have known this and they've been burnt by it. And then they, and then they throw, they kind of throw the thing under the bus and they just say, that's fine. I'm going over to somewhere else. And that's, um, that's, I think part of the reason for this podcast in my mind is those people that they didn't get good answers. Um, they didn't get substantive answers to questions growing up. They heard shallow things and they're disenchanted mm-hmm. by it. And I say, Hey, I totally get it, but let's not just mm-hmm. throw everything out. Let's just start to reason through and, uh, what scripture says on different areas of life. And then, and then let's stand there yes. regardless of who else stands there. Let's just take, you yes. know, take that stand. Let's not just go after the next, you know, flow, the next fad. Um, what I'm saying is people yeah. who are stuck in churches who don't really dive deep, they don't reason much. They just kind of keep, um, you know, implementing sort of a, a party right. structure of this is how we think. Yeah. And this is where our lines questions are. are discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, question equates to dissent and, mm-hmm. and corruption. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's you, you basically described our, our mission statement <laughs> in a sense, <laughs> our, our reason for existing as a podcast. Yeah. And really it's, it's interesting just to say one other thing about the podcast. While that was the original thought, it's interesting that we're not just uh, well, I mean, I guess it does still fit under that, but it's, we've dealt with such a wide range of things. It's really fast. I yeah. mean, it, it's just, uh, I mean, things that are seemingly little, um, and they end up in this conversation yeah. or somebody writes, they this, feel almost silly to talk about. Right. Um, and yeah, and, and you talked to me about just recently about feedback we got back on one, um, that was an interesting discussion that seems kind of like, okay, all right. But but it was something that we could reason through. We could talk about. We could actually have, mm-hmm. um, you know, a discussion about. And 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 that goes to so many areas of life. And being able to be in that environment where let, let's let's talk, let's ask questions, um, and let's yeah. think through it is helpful. And I'm it's it's sad when people aren't in that um, yeah. scenario. But anyway, so True. thanks for your thoughts on that that article. I so in, in the end, really, I feel like he was right um, in what he was saying about that particular okay. thing. That you know, if a man. Um, has a um is maybe a little misinformed and anyway he, he's following his convictions even if he's doesn't have all the facts straight um and but right. honestly how many of us have all the knowledge perfect you know we stand perfectly where we should <laughs> we figured it all out um well i mean we're all <laughs> gaining more facts and oh, well, learning me, of more. course i mean you know, us too but i mean other people <laughs> <laughs> Duh, we yourself have over there. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, not exactly like us, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, that is really um, our time for the day. I wish we we've got several other things yeah. we could hit here. We're just going to have to wait till next time. 
why don't we pick one of these to take into the after show and kind of tease it a little bit here? Sure. Um, what do you want to talk about in the after show? Um, you have one here. Um, I'm not allowed to peek at a couple of these, so I don't know either bad okay. conviction or um, Satan being delusional. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Both of those are good ones. Um, you know, is there a kind of conviction that is bad? In, in fact, let me, let me tease it this way. Did you know, dear listener, that the Holy Spirit brings conviction, but so does the devil? Mm. Oh, <laughs> interesting thought. Whoa. Yeah. And they're, they're in a sense trying to do the same thing, but a different way. Hmm. Wow. That'll be in the after show. <laughs> yes. If you'd like to become a listener of the after show, you can go over and become a patron of this podcast at patreon.com slash reason together and sign up for the elite level. That is the one that will get you the after show. There are other levels there below that, that uh, you can get different perks with, but the only level that comes with the after show is the elite level. So that's patreon.com slash reason together, pick the elite level and you'll be well on your way to listening to hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of after show bonus content. Yes, absolutely. And if you have anything to add um, to our thoughts on rapture practice, um, you know, declaring forgiveness or following a conscience that might not be entirely accurate, or maybe any other question that comes to your mind, please feel free to contact us at reason together podcast at gmail.com. That's reason together podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we're encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.